Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Personalization Outbreak Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to explore one's organization's mission to empower hope and transform cancer care. Our guest today, Mark Stadler, is the CEO of Access Hope. Now, Access Hope is a dedicated partner with large employers throughout the country in a battle against cancer, making groundbreaking expertise accessible to all. Now, Mark joined Access Hope in 2020, bringing decades of leadership and entrepreneurial experience to this unique venture, aiming to eliminate one of the main drivers of cancer care disparities, access and top quality care. Now, together, we'll be discussing how Mark and his team are helping employers innovate their benefits programs to provide personalized care for cancer patients and address health disparities in the workplace. We'll also discuss Access Hope's innovative algorithm and holistic approach that empowered cancer patients with enhanced treatment outcomes. So before we get started, please make sure to click the like button below, share with your colleagues, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and social media, at Glenn Yopis. Let's get started. You are listening to Personalization Outbreak, a podcast about the collapse of traditional corporate standards in today's more personalized world. I'm Glenn Yopis. I'm a leadership strategist, author, contributor to Forbes, and founder of the Leadership in the Age of Personalization movement. On this show, I'm interviewing executives across multiple sectors to find out how the balance between standardization and personalization can exist. Mark, welcome to the show, and thanks for uh, taking the time for us today. Glenn, thanks. It's great to, to be here. I appreciate that nice introduction and kind words. Uh, great to be here. Well, Mark, look, at the end of the day, you signed up for something that didn't exist. And uh, now here you are blossoming growth and saving lives every day. Uh, perhaps maybe you can spend a little time uh, sharing with us, who is Access Hope? Can you go a little deeper, please? Sure. Uh, Access Hope was founded about four years ago, actually, by the City of Hope as part of their um, strategy to democratize cancer care. Today, Access Hope is a free standing entity organization partnered with other NCI centers like City of Hope, but today with a footprint all across the country. We were founded for a couple of reasons, but one, and, and we partner with large self, uh, self-insured employers in this journey. Um, Knowledge about cancer and advances in cancer care are accelerating at an incredible pace. Today, there are over 200 subspecialties of cancer where knowledge is changing and duplicate and doubling every 60 to 70 days. Uh, and known cancers are, uh, are being cured at a higher rate, but these complex cancers are emerging. There's a widening, um, we call it an, an expertise gap that is driving both overutilization, underutilization, and importantly, misutilization of care, making cancer one of the few areas of medicine where the gap for optimal care can actually be widening, particularly for people with very complex care. And typical care is actually widening as well. And there, so there are disparities both in the care of particular cancers, but also across population groups. 
And so it's very important that this be addressed. Large employers see it in their data and they're watching this emerging and they're saying, look, cancer is now one of the highest um, cost areas. We're not necessarily in this for, to save cost. We want value. We want to make sure that people who are coming through our programs with cancer are getting optimal value in the program and we need help getting there. Access Hope was formed to help that and we partner with large employers uh, to do that. Well, given the complexities, uh, Mark, I've got to believe that this is really impacting how employers are approaching benefits management. Uh, especially in these recent years. I mean, can you please share how these things worked in the past and what it's like today and the opportunities that you see for the future? Sure. You know, over the last 10 years, uh, employers are they're shifting their focus from uh, programs in the past were focused on wellness. There were other things. Everybody was in an office. Everyone was working together. They could run campaigns around those things. Some employers started to see three major cost drivers in their programs. They were musculoskeletal care as the population ages and as we're all super warriors out there wearing out our joints, they can see that in, in, their, um, in their programs. Maternity has always been a major cost driver. And now 10 years later, cancer has emerged as the number one cost driver in benefit programs. Employers have had to shift uh, their focus uh, into uh, particularly at, at oncology. They've also had to shift very rapidly these last few years as inflation has taken sure. off. Cost is taking off. It's taking, it's requiring employers to really take a much deeper look at their programs and to really focus on where they can get value out of these programs. And then the workforce in general is now dispersed. You know, people are working in hybrid situations. They've had to really um, look at more personalized levels of, of yeah. benefits as well to satisfy uh, the needs of employees as they are now working from home and other things. So as the employee had, requires more personalized care, how personalized have these have the these benefit management programs become? I mean, when you're talking now that cancer is that the, the the number one costly uh, challenge that the large employers are faced with. How quickly have they pivoted and where are they at this stage, Ethan Park? Well, they're, they're looking at their data and they're trying to grapple with that. And many employers, these large employers, are looking very deeply at the data and they can see the misalignment of their benefit programs uh, through just cost you know, increases, uh, costs that are running, uh, you know, running sort of amok. The, uh, the employers are, are understanding also that not all healthcare issues are created alike. Cancer Good. is a journey. It's not a single event. Some of us may have, you know, a mole removed and it's, it's you know, precancerous and all that. That's an event. When you are diagnosed with cancer, with, you know, with stage three, you know, uh, renal cancer, for example, or a metastasized cancer, this now becomes a journey and it becomes a journey not just for the patient, but for their caregivers and coworkers. And employers are seeing that impact across their organizations. And uh, so this is where the, the more personalized look at this is coming into play. And large, um, very innovative employers are, are creating programs that engage with that member and their caregiver and family members in a cancer journey. It's a much different personalized approach 
than somebody who's you know had a, a traditional surgery, for example, uh, in yeah. the past. You have an example, I mean, you just alluded to it, of those that maybe are, are much further along uh, in this journey from a uh, from a large employer standpoint. And what are they doing specifically? Do you have a, a, a story that you can share just to give some context? Well, you know, in addition to just plugging that many of them are partnering with us because we are we are uh, we're highly personalized in the approach that we take, but many employers are now. Uh, they will um, host podcasts and and uh, meetings for managers in the company of how do you deal with an employee who has a you know a long term cancer situation? How does that impact coworkers, productivity in the unit, and other things like that? Those kinds of programs might have been unheard of years ago, but the employer is recognizing that this is a really key thing because. Um, what does it do to other people's work life? It doesn't just impact the, the cancer patient's work life. Employers are engaging with uh, cancer patients and helping them identify nutrition solutions. Nutrition is a key component of a successful cancer journey. So you're on certain medications, your nutrition is additional fuel for that medication and for your body to heal. Um, a lot, of, a lot of cancer patients don't know where to go. If they're fortunate to be receiving treatment at a large cancer center, they might have coaches there. 85% of cancer care is delivered in a community oncology center, unattached to an NCI center. So how do you bring that kind of knowledge and guidance to them so employers are engaging in it? They're engaging with companies like ourselves. We have some large customers that have built whole units within their benefits department that are cancer-specific guidance centers. Wow. So give us a sense of a community center versus an NCI center for those that are unfamiliar with that, Mark. Sure. Um, so NCI centers, of which there's about 53 of them in the United States, uh, they are you know, generally you know, cited around large academic institutions. These NCI centers are developing about 85% of the research to 90% of research is coming out of these NCI and uh, big uh, academic centers. Um, Hopkins, uh, City of Hope, Northwestern, Emory, organizations like that are NCI centers. About 15% of care is delivered in those centers. Uh, a, a local community oncologist could be somebody, let's pick a city, Hayes, Kansas, trained at the University of Kansas, brilliantly trained has you know you know established their their practice in Hayes Kansas sees cancer patients all day long but may see some of these rare and emerging cancers once or twice a year once or twice in a career where do they go for that level of guidance they're accustomed to you working with tumor boards for known cancers and other things they get opinions in that regard but that physician you know, uh, might need, a, you know, an expert to come alongside them. That's what we're doing. We're there to come alongside that, that physician to help them accurately diagnose and better treat the patient at home. In the past, programs were built to move that patient into a center of excellence, into one of these big NCI centers. Well, when you're a cancer patient, you have, you know, a compromised immune system. Might be very challenging for you to travel. When COVID struck, you couldn't travel. Not only couldn't you travel, you couldn't travel into an NCI. The NCI center might not have been able to take you. 
So this ability to bring that and to transport that remotely and empower the local oncologist to do what they're trained to do if they can get the diagnosis and treatment correct. 93% of the cases we look at, there's a variation in both in either the diagnosis, the treatment, or both in 93% of the cases. So hence, access hope. So take me through a scenario here, Mark. Uh, you've just uh, partnered with a new large employer. How does access hope activate? Well, there's a number of ways that we can activate. We have programs that actually work behind the scenes as a function of that employer's self-funded plan operations. We will run an algorithm across the employers. It can be their claim base. It can be their uh, pre-certification, their, their pharmacy data that would identify people who potentially have a complex cancer. Our next step is to reach out to the oncologist uh, to come alongside them requesting information on behalf of the plan uh, to look at all of the aspects of that case. We're collecting three and four hundred sets of records on every patient that we're that we are uh, you know uh, investigating. We we then send that case to one of our NCI experts in one of our five centers around the country. These are people who are they're not Retired oncologists, these are folks who are deep in the research, who are, who are actually developing the cures, who are on the leading edge for these subspecialties of cancer. Yep. They review the case and give a clinical recommendation to the local oncologist. Access Hope takes that back to that oncologist and then is available to that oncologist for questions across the, the, uh, uh, the longitudinal nature of that, that cancer journey for the patient. We hear from oncologists, thank you. How can I get this for all of my patients? The oncologists are in this for a cure. Uh, they are, they're very appreciative of the information. We can also do a review that a member can initiate if they have concerns about the journey that they're on, and they can initiate that same level of review, but it's done at their request. We still come alongside the oncologist. The difference between what we're doing is giving a report to a member or to a patient and adding more complexity to their life versus giving it to the expert that's treating them that can actually do something about it uh, is, is revolutionary and it's very unique in the industry and we're really proud of what we're doing. Uh, and then that, that local oncologist can bring the patient in and help guide them. And then on top of that, we provide support services where um, our members can call in and they have a question about the visit they were on yesterday uh, you know, there's a there's a term, and I use it respectfully, where people say they get chemo brain when they're going through chemotherapy. They're they're being told very complex things, personal things, life changing things. Yeah, you know, you're told you have cancer. You might the first thing you might be thinking about is not I have cancer. My children, my my husband, my my wife, my coworkers, whatever. And so they can check back in with us. And we'll walk them back through their diagnosis, explain it completely, and then also work with them to find out what are the things that are now on your mind that, that you need help with. Is it, I need help getting transportation to my kids. We plug them into resources. I need help with nutrition. I need all, all kinds of things along that way. There's uh, tremendous behavioral health issues that, that can arise, both for the patient and the family. We can plug them back into an employer's health plan to make sure they're aware of their of any kind of behavioral health support that they could get from their employer. 
So we we try to be an advocate as much as we can, but more of a guider and a, and a travel guide, if you will, for someone on their journey. So speaking of journey, how do benefits leaders, you know, what's their journey need to be as they start to transform their thinking and also their offerings to a more personalized solution that reflects, you know, the modern demands of cancer? Yeah, I think that um, the, and Glenn, I think we've just... Uh, we hear all the time uh, from uh, customers, and we we talk to large employers who, again, are seeing this information in their data. That are they have built data warehouses with all of their claim data, and they can identify where the problems are. And I think each employer has to look at what's the culture of the organization that they're in, what works with our workforce. Um, that the the cancer uh, issue is there, I believe, across all workforces. But how an employer addresses that is going to be unique to their own culture of the organization. If they have on-site clinics, how do they plug those in? If they various programs that they might have. Well, then this comes back to the various people, the types of people that these employers uh, are 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 bringing on, right? And as we know more and more. Uh, employee populations are becoming more and more culturally diverse. So with Correct. these changes taking place, uh, it really, really takes us away from this one size fits all. How are large employers trying to get out in front of being able to serve the cancer care needs of culturally diverse populations that are really most susceptible to them? Well, one, they don't want to take a, a dartboard approach and just throw a dart and hope it hits the center. Again, I'll take you back to data. They want to look at it. What most important are seeing right now is that, uh, for example, in any work organization, and unfortunately across our country, they will see data such as African-American men have 111% higher risk of dying from prostate cancer than white males do. Um, how do I address that within my population? How do I identify that population and appropriately reach them? Asian and Pacific Islander adults are twice as likely to die of stomach cancer than white adults. How do I reach that, again, that population? Men with colorectal cancer in the poorest counties of which there are social determinant of health um, identified counties across the country have a 35% higher death rate than men in most affluent counties. So how do I reach them? Again, um, there's different ways of communicating into those populations. One of the things that we are very proud of is that this algorithm we run is agnostic to your zip code. Mm. You're, it finds you no matter what zip code you're in. It identifies you by your identified medical problem and goes out and reaches that oncologist who might be treating you. Um, so it, it, it allows you to jump over some of those barriers. Uh, but these are the problems and the challenges that uh, large employers today, I was at a conference two weeks ago where yep. one of the very largest uh, companies in America was there presenting their data, unashamedly showing the disparities in care across their data and folks were saying, why are you sharing it? And they said, because your data looks the same way. I challenge exactly. you to go look at your data. <laughs> well, I don't know why we're running away from something that we've known about for years. I mean, come on. We've it, all known it, that the but populations it's, it's, demographics were going to change. So 
it's great that you have this this level of insight, uh, Mark. How do you how do you and maybe this is an unfair question, but how do you maybe consult or guide large employers to grapple and and confront these realities? Well, one of the things, I, I, something I see changing right now, and it's it's going back to this reference of this large employer who was sharing their data. Years ago, you'd go to a conference and you listened and you shared enough to not give away any secrets. I think folks are now looking at saying, look, we're all in this together. We have to solve this. Let's share the information. Let's be more transparent. I didn't create this healthcare issue. I'm I'm trying to figure out how to navigate through it and do a better job because I, I owe this to my employees. I owe this, you know, this is exactly. a promise we make to our people. And I want value out of the healthcare dollars that are being spent. I've spent 10 years increasing deductibles and copays and all these other things to where now the consumer is paying a very large percentage of their own healthcare costs. How do I make this meaningful to that employer? And I think enlightened employers are, are very in tune to that and very willing to share their data to get to, to move the needle forward in this country. Well, here's the irony. What's Access Hope doing? Partnering with other NCI centers. You're already right. showing the importance of inclusivity and in not viewing people as competitors, but building communities to help better serve We're patient populations that are growing in cancer. You're sending right. the message that everybody else should employ. We're all in this together. We can't stop seeing each. We need to stop seeing each other as foes and start seeing each other as friends. Because why? I mean, the cost of cancer alone and the benefit of receiving that care. I mean, I think more and more people, if they're not already, are going to pay more attention to making sure they've got a strong benefits program and less about how much money they're making. Because if they're only just taking their their compensation to pay for these extraordinary costs. We have to look at the bigger picture of things. And I'm really just excited about the work that you're doing, Mark. And by the way, you're so easy to speak to and uh, you make it sound so simple. I can only okay. imagine uh, how complex this whole journey is. You know, it's complex. I'll tell you, it, it's humbling every day. And uh, you know, when, when we review the cases and the lives that are touched, when you get somebody on that right cancer journey, we looked at two cases today, identical diagnoses, completely different um, uh, treatment plans were set up for these individuals. Neither of them met current standard of care. It's not the doctor's fault. They're, they're having a hard time keeping up with the latest research. We got them on the right path. And, uh, and it's, again, it's just humbling to see that when you see the impact, when you say to somebody, no, you don't need 22 lymph nodes removed. You need yeah. this. And, you know, and it's a, it's a, you know, a, a completely different, you know, pathway. It's, it's really humbling to be at, at the center of that, if you will. So, well, and so you're, you're not just at the center of, of scaling uh, better access to care and higher quality care, uh, but you're also scaling the importance and understanding of how we need to see patients as individuals first and why it's through personalization that we're going to not only serve more pe people the better the be a better way but start scaling our research so that we can get out in front of these 
uh, more complex cancer diagnoses uh, and saved millions of people's lives. So thank you so much for being on the show, Mark. You're, you know, you're such a good guide. You're so informative. And I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of out of this because, I mean, I can tell you personally, in the last 18 months, I've had uh, four of my very good friends diagnosed with cancer, and this has been a life changer for them. Uh, and not just for them, but for their employers too. So you know, yeah. a lot of people may not think that this has reached the levels that um, that we're seeing today, but this is why we need to stay in touch with these new realities because they're hitting us faster and faster every day. Mark, you have any uh, closing comments or thoughts before we break? No, you know, again, thank you for for uh, inviting me to the show. I appreciate it. Uh, again, it's humbling to to talk about the work that we're doing. I'm, I'm really proud of the company that we're building. Um, I'm really proud of the work that we're doing with these large employers. And my hat goes off to these large employers who are, um, they're not rolling the dice. They're looking at the data and they're saying, we're going to go attack this and we're, we're going to do whatever we can to ease the cancer burden for our plan members and uh, make sure that we're we're adding value in their lives through the benefits we deliver. And so proud to be a part of it. Thank you very much, Mark. And as we end every show, when you lead in the age of personalization, you will see things that others don't. Do what others won't and keep pushing when prudence says quit. Thank you again, Mark. Enjoy your time in it. Thanks for listening to Personalization Outbreak. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. If you enjoyed the content, visit ageofpersonalization.com to check out our free streaming video series and learn how to get involved in the movement. I'm Glenn Yopis. I wish you a good day. And remember, without strategy, change is merely substitution, not evolution.